When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. This is the Athletics Manchester City podcast, Why Always Us. I'm David Mooney, and this week we are welcoming back the slightly jet-lagged Sam Lee. Sam, how are you doing? <laughs> no, I'm all right. I'm all right. But yeah, so, sorry to disappoint by coming back. Oh, <laughs> Nadam. Can we have Nadam on every week? I, I see you all. I, I saw that. Yeah, I've not listened to the podcast yet, because I've just not had the chance. But I, I am going to I'm gonna listen to it, because I gather from all teeth. your comments that it was very good. So, oh yeah, can we have Nadam back every week? No, you can't. <laughs> You stuck with me. Stuck with He's got his own podcast. Go and listen to that. He's got hundred episodes. Go and listen to that. Um, you know, um, I'll, yeah, I'll, it'll be great to have him on as often as possible. But yeah, unfortunately, you're, you're stuck with me for this week at least, yeah. and for many more, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I, I wouldn't say stuck with Sam, but uh, I, I will let your self-depreciating humour take that <laughs> one over. Um, if you want to sign up to The Athletic right now, you can do, and you can read all of Sam's stuff on City. And if you sign up, you'll get 33% off the price of a full subscription. Just go to theathletic.com forward slash mancitypod. Um, Sam, this is going to be a bit of an odd show, I think, because uh, obviously you've missed a week. You're just getting back into the swing of things with uh, with City. And uh, just in terms of looking at the headlines, it's kind of a bit of a mishmash of, of stories. The place I wanted to start, though, uh, was uh, Phil Foden. He obviously scored two against uh, against Brighton, was uh, was on his way to trying to get that hat-trick, and he was certainly trying to get that hat-trick. Um, mm. He's getting the plaudits for, the, for that win. What what are your thoughts on, on where he is at the moment? Uh, yeah, um, it's just unbelievably good. And I think it's kind of t- taken for granted. I'm not sure if that's the right phrase, but um, just the way... He makes everything look so effortless. And I think the Bruges performance, from what I gather, I've not had a chance to look back at it yet, um, but from what I gather, he was probably even better against Bruges. Obviously, he got the two goals against Brighton, but um, yeah, the second one, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like two clinical finishes, was it? The, sec- the second one was fairly fortuitous. Um, it would have been a fortuitous with- part in the hat-trick had he got it, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and in, like you say, in terms of him trying, I was I was kind of surprised at the extent to which he was running with the ball and shooting a bit towards the end. Um, not so much the one where he kind of went through on the keeper and tried to slot it around him. That was fair enough. But there was one, I think, before um, where he was a bit further outside the box because the thing with Phil Foden is he'll make like the good decisions all the time. And I think when, when we go back to the, the start of this long answer or what will be a long answer, and how, how good he is. It's because he makes the right decisions. And so we saw that with the Mares goal because it wasn't a great second half, was it? It kind of got away from City a bit. It was a bit of a weird one. Um, but when Mares finished it off, it was, okay, yeah, you know, they've, they've still obviously thoroughly deserved this. But it was that kind of pass from, from Foden. And God, without wanting to go back to around this time last year when some of the players were having a go at Mares for not passing. Like, people around the team were like, you know, the thing with Phil is he'll he'll make that pass. He won't necessarily get that pass because, you know, it's only Phil. He's, he's, he's a kid. Um, but, and you know, you've got 
Raheem running through or De Bruyne or, or Mares or Aguero back then as well, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you they're, they're always going to get the pass and Phil won't, but Phil will always make that pass. Um, so on the one hand, it was slightly surprising that he was trying to go for the hat-trick, but on the other, it wasn't really because, you know, why not go for a hat-trick when you're there, stake your place in the team. But again, on that same second hand, he did find that right pass at the end for Mares. That's why he's so good. And again, just to go back to that little thing about he wouldn't necessarily receive the pass because, you know, it's only Phil and there's other big players who, you know, you could pass to instead. I think he's in that bracket now of being the top city player. And I've seen it on my Twitter quite a bit. Um, you know, people saying he's probably the second best player at the club behind De Bruyne or whatever. Um, there's probably a De Bruyne debate to be had. I'm imagining if well. I'm just thinking about my <laughs> timeline from the last couple of weeks. Um but and the the other thing is, where do we value defenders in that? Like, is Diaz a better defender than Foden is a forward or whatever? But the point being, Foden is one of the best players at City for sure, and that's only really come about since the start of last season, hasn't it? Because, or maybe the end of the lockdown season. Um, but going into last season, there was no real guarantee that he was going to kick on and, and carry on and still get in the team because I'm yeah. sure people would have still been thinking Pep's not going to use him in this game, not going to use him in that game. But he just got better and better. Did he, he win the Young Player of the Year award well, last season? He did, the, didn't he? The lockdown seasons kind of... The, the problem, the, the, the really annoying thing that City did was they swapped their kit midway through that 19-20 season. So what that does in my head is merge the end of that season with the start of the next yeah. season because we weren't at yeah, the games it, and stuff. It, so it's, merge, I, I, I find it really, really hard to, to differentiate the games. But now that I think about it, when they went to, to Wolves in that where they played that in that Paisley kit on the opening day of the season, yeah. um, there was that was the, the conversation I remember having with with uh, friends in the build up to that game was Foden has to start it. This has to be his season, and yeah. I, I remember having that having sort of that conversation the year before. But the year before, that was the year that he he started the League Cup final, and it was a bit of a shock, wasn't it? He started it yeah. was the, that was the Aston Villa League Cup final year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was um, when he got mad in the match and you know called his dog Carabao the day after, um, which can't be dwelled upon enough. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I remember because but he also started the derby, didn't he, in the last game before? Was it the last game before lockdown? That was the last Premier League game, wasn't it? Because City played Sheffield Wednesday after. Yeah, but he played in the derby, which was a bit of a shock. But it got it got to the stage where he was certainly in contention there, but didn't play particularly well as City didn't. And then yeah, like you weren't really sure where it was going to go, and nobody was really thinking about football too much and and Foden too much in the lockdown but then when, yeah, when he came back he was obviously very good and yeah like you say that conversation you had was he you know this has to be his season that see I'm inferring from that 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 was a this should be his season you know he should get the opportunities he has to get the opportunities from Pep he needs to be playing rather than he definitely will yeah have a great season because like I say back then there was no guarantees but he won the young player of the year award last season and I believe he's got his eye on the, you know, the full award this season. And obviously, maybe it doesn't come this season because God, God knows, you know, looking like, looking like Salah at the moment, but it's still early. But whether we win it this season or not, you know, that's that's the goal. That's the kind of, I suppose, the, the standard he sets for himself. And yeah. I mean, in terms of him being so good, and I, I try not to build him up too much because I think I said this the other week but before the Champions League final I was I was convinced he was going to have a big game and I thought he was going to win the two games against PSG and I've got to be careful a bit you know there's no point in me hyping up any anybody too much because you just got to kind of analyse what's in front of you um, 
So I don't want to start going, oh, he's going to score the best goal ever, but he will. Um, he's going to play amazing in this game or be the man of the match in the Champions League final or whatever. But you would imagine that he's going to get player of the year in the Premier League at, at least point. once yeah, over yeah. the next few years. And then obviously, I mean, you could say Ballon d'Or, but look, De Bruyne, look how good De Bruyne is and he hasn't won the Ballon d'Or. So it depends on the Champions League for that. But yeah, um, if he was playing abroad, if he was at, if he'd come through at, you know, Barca or Bayern Munich or wherever, or he'd been, you know, moved around like Mbappe and like Haaland, we'd be speaking about him more in, oh God, this guy's got to come to City, got to come to Chelsea, got to come to United for 150 million, you know, the same kind of hype as Sancho, It'll be like even more so, the same kind of hype as Mbappe and, and Haaland, because I think he is on that Mbappe and Haaland path to greatness, really. Yeah. Again, I, and- look, I'll try not to hype him, but what, like I say, you've got to analyse what's in front of you and, he is phenomenal to be doing to yeah. be to be playing so consistently well in a team where you need to be you know the signings are 50 60 million international players and he's a kid from Stockport and he's the same if not better so it's unbelievable yeah um just on his positioning sam i i i caught Jermaine Janus on match of the day keep saying how he sees him taking over the david silver role and hmm. I, if I'm being honest, I don't really know what that means anymore um, because I I, I've, I kind of feel like people who are outside the club see a left-footed attacking midfielder and that's it. And that's kind of... Because to me, when I, when I watch Phil Foden play, he seems like a very, very different player to, to David Silva. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, he is. And I think we probably talked about this before and the the dreaded word pauser that I always go back to, but they're just completely different players, aren't they? Like I get the feeling if you were to play in midfield and there was, there was a bit of talk about that again, wasn't there? Cause he did really well for England against Andorra in another game that I didn't see, but I saw the, I saw the reaction to it and him playing well in midfield. And I'm, again, I'm sure he could, and I'm sure he could for England, but just in the way that city works, um, with how they control games. And this is something I'm looking at at the moment because since David Silva's left, it has been different. Um, there's more, there's different people getting more touches of the ball, whereas before it was David Silva making everything tick. You know, they control it in slightly different ways. And, you know, Gundogan's helped, but Gundogan can't always be the the Pauser merchant if he's making those those runs in beyond, in behind the false nine and scoring all the goals like he was last season. And, you know, Bernardo's developed in that sense. You know, he can hold on to the ball. He can get it and give it like Gundogan does. Um, but in terms of um, Foden being another David Silva, it's not, you know, that, that isn't going to happen because they're, they're not the same kind of player. And I, I've been at pains to point this out whenever I've written about this kind of stuff before. You know, that's obviously not a criticism. They're just different. You know, De Bruyne is not the same as, as Silva either. Um, but that means, you know, if you if you were to play Foden in midfield in future, it could be with um, instead of De Bruyne. I've all, always said that as a possibility. Um, but it's like, as good as he is, you know, Guardiola's always talking about things that he can learn. And he, he, he came out with quite a blunt quote at the weekend, didn't he, about his decisions in front of goal in recent weeks. And he was like, he hasn't got that yet because he's too young, but he'll, but he'll get better. Um, and you know that's that's one thing to bear in mind. And he also said that after Anfield last season, when Foden played, obviously he scored that brilliant goal. But in the first half, he was false nine, and he didn't play particularly well. So he didn't play particularly well. And Guardiola said he changed it at half time because he wasn't quite sure of the movements because he's too young. And he's he said before that there's plenty of things he needs to learn in terms of midfield. So it, I could still see him playing in midfield for a City team, but 
possibly instead of De Bruyne or at least part of a different setup. But the bottom line is it won't be in the same way that David Silva plays because yeah. they're just different players. You know, Foden's more explosive, can 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 beat a man, can score more goals, far more direct. Um, obviously, direct. David Silva yeah. just Di- can direct. win a game. Yeah, direct is the word. Direct I kept, is the word. I, I, kept, I kept sitting here thinking, well, I, I, I want to say that Foden's more mobile than Silva, but that's not right. It's not really the right word, and direct is the word. You're right. Yeah, explosive, direct, that kind of thing. Um, and look, maybe it could change because I, I do believe Bernardo has adapted his game a bit. But also, with them, I mean, you could make him more rounded as a player. But also, you wouldn't, you wouldn't really at this point want to move Foden away from what he is doing because it's so good. But then again, he could be even better in a different role, doing different things. Um, and that's the adaptability of him. But yeah, in terms of David Silva, you, you said, you know, people outside the club see him as a left footed attacking midfielder, but we know from watching City there's a particular way that Pep's teams need to work in terms of that power, in terms of that ability to keep hold of the ball. And look, they're doing it in different ways, City, and through different players, but it won't be Foden who's asked to do that. So he won't be the David Silva replacement. But also, even if he does play in midfield as a De Bruyne, De Bruyne replacement or whatever, like he's still really good up front. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure if, I don't know, maybe he would be better in midfield, but he's certainly good enough where he is already. Yeah. Um, and you know he's still like Guardiola said about his finishing at the weekend and in recent games you th- you'd think that would improve as well so it's like as much as we think oh where's he going to be in five years will he be deeper in the pitch and running the game And I've seen for the under 21s years ago he was playing more as a holding midfielder spraying passes around and not necessarily to that degree but would he drop back and do the David Silver stuff or the Bernardo Silver stuff but it's like could he just become even more clinical and the way that the false nines become a staple at City this year. I know he's used it in the past, but you know it got to the stage at Anfield where it would have been a surprise if he didn't use a false night. Whereas a couple of years ago, it was bloody hell, what's he doing? He's not going with a striker. Yeah, and, it's, and you wonder. Obviously, there's the ongoing striker thing, and you know Harlan's back on the radar and that kind of thing. But if Foden carries on as a false nine, or even just in the front three, getting into those spaces beyond a striker, he could become you know a, a I don't know. Like I'm not saying he's. I think he's got the ability to do this, but I guess he probably—I guess he probably has. But he could become a a twenty-goal-a-season striker, twenty-five, thirty in all competitions kind of thing. Just thinking about his evolution and the point being, it could be a midfield, but equally, he could just become an even more clinical winger or forward, or yeah. just some kind of floating role up front that Guardiola devises. Or post Guardiola, who knows? You know, he could just go back into a midfield and where Powers is not quite such a big thing and. Just charge up and down and yeah, run games, run, run the show games like and be brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? I just want to pick up a little thread that you you dangled out there, Sam. I don't know if you I don't know if it's guesswork on your part or if it's just a reading of what you, what you've seen in the last few weeks or if you know something. So let's find out. Um, Harlan hmm. back on the radar. Yeah, I, I think didn't I mention that after? Because I remember it was after the Chelsea game. I know we did that with Nadum, so probably not. But when I wrote the article after the Chelsea game about strikers and stuff because Guardiola had said. Um, that you know they're they're missing one without it and all that kind of stuff before the Chelsea game. So I wrote about a striker, um, and I wrote in that that you know there's there's people around the club and there's people who know, you know, people around Haaland that are saying it. It's it's an option. So I know at the start of the season, my guess was they'd just go back in for Kane because it would be easier. There's 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 no real competition for Kane next summer, which you know people could probably say is a red flag or whatever. Um. But yeah, it 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 turns out that there there are some people talking about City 
um, being majorly in for Haaland. I know that has been reported as well, but if you go back to that article from the Chelsea game about a month ago, that is in there. Um, um, it was. I, I had a conversation with somebody before I went away, and they said they wouldn't be surprised if City tried to get Haaland in January. But that's that's just for the purposes of throwing around what I've heard. You know, that's by no means me saying City are going to go for yeah. for Haaland in January because I've not checked it out. I don't know how reliable it is. I know the guy knows what he's talking about, but um, I, you know, I, I'd be surprised. But um, like, yeah, I'm I'm confident in saying, like I've said before, this season, um, the Harland is back on the radar. At least, you know, it's not a a one and done, no chance. But um, yeah, we'll just have to see how that one develops. Um, yeah, like I said, there's also the sources around um, Harland who are who would be certainly happy for it to happen as well, and City would be happy for it to happen. But obviously, there's a long way to go to actually yeah. make it happen. And I was speaking to Rafa Honigstein because he was at Anfield. And we were, you know, we were in the stadium a couple of hours before. So I bumped into him and we were talking and he was, he had, because he was doing Sky Germany and he was coming over just to see what I was thinking about, you know, the striker situation and do they need this or do they need that or whatever. And I was like, oh, what do you think about Haaland? And I told him what I'd heard minus the the January stuff because I hadn't heard by that point. And he was like, oh no, the only thing I've heard is that, you know, Real Madrid are front of the queue. So, so there you go. You know, there's, there's, there's one of those things where, yeah, exactly. Like if I was 100% certain on it, I'd have obviously done something a lot bigger than now. But yeah, it's, it's one of those. It's not, as far as I know, it's not like Haaland's completely off the table. You you know when you, you get through a summer. The, the the best example I can think of is last summer with Awa from from Leon, and everyone was like, "Oh, it's going to happen," or "City should be doing this." And you you know, it's just just forget it. It's not going to happen. Like that could you know that could feasibly be the situation with Haaland because you know because you could make the case, couldn't you? Too expensive, you know. Rayola's demands, um, the wages know, story this week. Wars. Yeah. I, I've not even seen that, but um, uh, yeah, possibly yeah. that. It's basically um, his, his wage know, demands would be would be too high for what City currently have, sort of thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's all those kind of things, and you know, the Real Madrid or whatever, and you could, and it would be easy to say, you know, with the right info, it's just a non-starter. Don't worry about it. But it's not a non-starter. Um, but also, don't get carried away and think it's happening because, you know, we know with City, we, even when they get to, you know, advance down the line of transfers, they don't always happen, do they? So, <laughs> Danny Alves. We will see. But yeah. That, <laughs> anyone um yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo um but yeah um we'll we'll, we'll see but it, it's an option like that's all I'm saying it's an option this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game and more head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just back on the game then from weekend, Sam. Um, 
just want to talk a bit about Bernardo Silva because I keep seeing people, uh, certainly online, demanding that City just give him whatever he wants to make him happy at the club because he's been playing so well. So can we just clear up why he's been unhappy? Because it's not that he's not getting in the team or it's not that the, he's not playing or it's not he's not you know he's, he's struggling for, for form or his wages or anything like that. It's, is it not simply that Manchester is not, I mean, in some people's opinion, the Algarve? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and... In the Condé Nast, I believe I read that opinion. It's Manchester is not the Algarve when I was swatting up on my next holiday. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, as much as anything, and again, these are the kind of conversations I had, you know, when, if we go back to the end of last season when I was told that there was these players who were unhappy and then when I wrote that and when it's out there as a talking point. And, but when I had this conversation, it's so instinctive just to say, why would you dislike Guardiola? Why would, why would you want to go? You know, you're playing the best football of your careers. Um, you're at an incredibly well-run club. There's not a lot of incredibly well-run clubs out there that are at the top anymore. You know, Barcelona and Madrid aren't quite, you know, they're still in the appeal, but they're not quite the appeal. They were, um, certainly at the moment. Um, you know, you, you, you're almost guaranteed to win trophies. You know, why, why would you want to leave? But that does just overlook the fact that, you know, sometimes, you know, things just go stale and people want to move on for whatever reason and and that you know that was you know Bernardo Silva's kind of the lightning rod for it because Guardiola kind of confirmed it but you know there, there was a few in in the same boat um and yeah so there's a bit of homesickness about it um there's a bit of you know just lifestyle changes and that kind of thing but um you know that wasn't the case for all of them you know it was Partly because they weren't they weren't playing as much as they wanted, um, not enough communication with the manager. Uh, you know, Guardiola was a, a a big reason for a lot of them. Which again, you know, I I would I would say the same as you. You know, and I've I've seen people take the piss about um, the the Mancini stuff and all the players who didn't like Mancini. And um, obviously, it was the anniversary of the six one at the weekend, and I, I saw somebody I follow say Mancini must have said hello to the players that morning, or said hello to Balotelli that morning. You know, mocking this idea that because Balotelli, uh, because Mancini didn't speak to the players and actually, you know, fell out with them and was a dick to many of the players, um, that kind they of negates the success, yeah. or the players should get over it, or whatever. You know, that there's obviously that that thought, um, and you know, like I say, instinctively you would just say, well, even if Guardiola isn't always arm around the shoulder. You don't always understand his decisions. Like, could you not look past that and carry on playing brilliant football and winning trophies? But, you know, for some of them, I guess, I guess that's not the case. But even, you know, even if all those things are true, and they are, you know, City being well run and almost a guarantee of trophies, you're playing brilliant football, you're earning a lot of money, you're well looked after. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, people want changes anyway. I've, I've always kind of used the, a ham-fisted analogy of, you know, like a marriage, you know. Some, sometimes things go stale. You want a divorce, even though you know this is the person you you fell in love with. But thing, things change, and it's not. It might not be like a blazing row, but things just change. You, you drift apart, or it's always it's like it's like celebrity marriages that break up as well. You're like, oh, how could you know he was going out with Jennifer Aniston? How could you, you know, how, how could you get bored of that or whatever? It's like these are just. You know, when you're in that world, when you are an A-list celebrity yourself, when you're who did she go out with? Ben Affleck was it? Um, whoever, but you know, when you are Ben Affleck, you know, there's a million Jennifer Anderson's. You know what I mean? You, you, when you are Bernardo Silva, you could go play football wherever. You know, we, you know, we would 
love to play for Manchester City, the majority of these listeners would love it even more than I would because, you know, it's your boyhood club and you, you can't conceive of of anything better than that. And you, th- and, you know, it's the whole, oh, you know, when the players give up the ghost or they stop running or whatever, you just think, you know, you're in such a fortunate position. You should try every day. But that's not the reality when you're in that situation, is it? And that yeah. will apply to people in their own lives. And, yeah, despite all these overwhelmingly strong arguments for why people should be happy at City and playing for Guardiola and 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 whatever. You know, that's just not always the reality, is it? When you're in that world and you've got options and you can go other places, it's just easy to to do that. And whether you know, you might be wrong. You might you know, he might have whether him or anybody else, you know, maybe he would have gone to Barcelona. And maybe he'd gone to Barcelona last summer when he thought that was going to happen. And it turned out to be a disaster. You know, you could look at him now in a team that's struggling and they've got no Messi. And you think, what a mess that was. And it might be, it might have been the wrong decision and maybe he'd even regret it if that would have happened. But the decision-making process at the time is, um, okay, I'm a millionaire. I'm playing great football. I'm winning trophies. But I'd still like to go and do something else. And yeah. that's just how these things work. And like you say, there's there's reasons for that. And there's the Manchester thing and the change of scenery and being closer to family and... Um, you know, not necessarily being happy with his role because as well, if you think about when he first wanted to go to Barca, it was that season after 2018-19, which everyone talks about and Guardiola uses as kind of the benchmark when he talks about Bernardo. Um, he was then switching between right wing, well, just the right wing basically, with Mares every other game. He never knew who was going to play. And it was around the time of the Mendy tweet, um, which, you know, wouldn't have helped and didn't help his form. And so, you know, going into that summer, with the pandemic as well ongoing, if you think about it like that, it's a lot easier to understand why, isn't it? Yeah. Like if you think, like if, if you look at it now, I think why would he want to leave? But if you if you think about it then, as that was developing, wasn't playing that much, wasn't playing particularly well, the culture thing of the Mendy tweet probably didn't help, and then the pandemic and being locked down in Manchester and everyone's scared and everyone wanting to be with family and not knowing how it's going to affect everyone, that is very easy to understand why he wanted to go. And then once you've got that idea, it's kind of difficult to get rid. And all, even last season, you know, he wasn't um, he wasn't always a guaranteed starter. Even at the start of the season, was he? It was only kind of when the the switch was flicked and he, he became more integral then, and and De Bruyne got injured that he was he was being used more. But I don't know, maybe he was thinking, well, I'm only playing here because De Bruyne is not fit or whatever, um, which wasn't always the case, was it? Because there were times, and- the times we played together, yeah. Well, um, a very, I think a very interesting thing from the Brighton game is, and again, I've. Well, be, I've, I just want to, I just want to, before we um, do go on, because I, I, I can, yeah, I can sense the tweets already, you know Sam. Um, I, I it's, it was Brad Pitt, not um, Ben Affleck, because who was uh, Ben Affleck with? I, I'm that not sure. With Jennifer. Um, I, I wasn't, wasn't there. A, wasn't there a Benefer? Wasn't there? Wasn't that? I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I just because it, it was Brad Jennifer Jolino, Lopez, wasn't it? Ben Affleck, and Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. My Google. Um, Auto complete tells me. Excellent. Um, basically, basically oh, what, what, there, what, is a, there is a Jennifer Aniston. But anyway, the point being, wh- whichever um, famous, good-looking Jennifer we're talking about, <laughs> if you if you are Ben Affleck, you could therefore have any number of amazing women in the world in whatever respect, whether it's looks or personality, or in that world both. You can, yeah, you can you can take your pick, and it's also the same for for top footballers. These are both very much worlds I could not imagine living in. By the way, you know, that, that's that's the point I'm trying to I'm trying to make. 
Uh, I just, I, I knew, I knew what was going to happen if we didn't put it out there that that we had checked out uh, what, uh, what, what, what the correct couple was. Of all um, the ill-informed stuff that I've come up with over the years, <laughs> I never thought that's where this show was going to go this morning. To be yeah. honest with you, but here we are. Um, yeah. I, I, I want to just before we get into the interesting thing about De Bruyne and, and Bernardo at, at Brighton, I, I want to look at uh, Bernardo's future because what happens now? Because if he still wants to leave and City are still happy for him to leave because he's not happy sort of thing, hmm. his value has only been pushed up with the yeah. performances that he's had this season. And yet nobody could afford him before his value had been pushed up. So what happens next? Because nobody's going to be able to afford the new value, are they? Um, I, sp- I suppose it depends on how... Um, finances change after the pandemic. You know, fans are back in in most stadiums across Europe. And I mean, having seen the new camp, I don't know what it was for the Classico actually, but there was about forty thousand people at Camp Nou last week. Even though you know the hundred thousand or ninety thousand or whatever was available, so it's not like they're getting huge revenues again. But you know, clubs' financial performance will improve over the next year or so, and you know, maybe. There's also there was probably they couldn't afford, but there was probably also teams were looking at other priorities. So, you know, Real Madrid are probably still going to be looking at Mbappe and maybe Haaland and whatever, and maybe there's no room in that way that they're going to sign a a superstar rather than a I say more functional. It does him a disservice, but you know what I mean because he is a superstar really, but he's not you know the the kind of name that Real Madrid are looking for. But you know there may there may be a a situation where let's say PSG don't win what they need to win and they say, well, we actually need a player who's going to link midfield and attack better and do a lot of work and a lot of running. Oh, here's a guy who wants to leave here. would be perfect. And look, I don't know whether City and PSG would do business, but you know, for argument's sake, you can see where that priority would change. Maybe Bayern Munich are looking for something different and, and they'd have money this year set aside for for somebody and you know Nagelsmann says you can imagine Bernard, um, Nagelsmann wanting a pep player to that degree couldn't you yeah so I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case and you know Bayern have said well well we've got 100 million set aside this summer the squad's pretty stable we'll spend on him you know a bit like City did with Grealish obviously they wanted Kane as well but they're in a position where they could just spend 100 million on one guy and keep the rest of the squad as it was um you know, maybe buy and do that, but it's still a small pool. You know, there's there's still not many top clubs who can who can get these players, and you know that's the case for 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 Sterling and Jesus and Mares and whatever. Um, you know, maybe Atletico Madrid. You know, Juventus. You know, people are always are. Oh, what are Barca going to do? Like, I'm always just like Barca will find the money from somewhere. And to be fair, Messi did have to go, so their situation is obviously worse than I thought. But if you're talking about clubs finding money down the back of the sofa, you know, I'm sure Juventus will manage it as well. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he was valued at 80, 100 million and somebody could find it. But who knows? You never know. You know, like I said before, 18 months ago, whatever it was, and he was thinking, this isn't great. I want to leave. And that being understandable, if he's had 18 months of, you know, the end of last season and whatever happens this season, let's say he's integral to a team that wins, let's say the Champions League, maybe he does think, yeah, you know what? This, right. isn't, this isn't too bad after all, but yeah. again, like Harland, you know, we'll just have to see. But it's a, uh, it, it's it's another interesting situation, isn't it? So then let's look at Brighton with uh, Bernardo and Foden and De Bruyne because this the, the way the team is sh- shaping up at the moment, De Bruyne is probably the one to drop out, like he did at the weekend, given his recent form. But yet he came on and just created a shit ton of, t- of chances. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's it's funny. I, again, I can't remember if I mentioned this or if I just thought it over the last couple of weeks. But you could pick a team that was let's so let let's say 
the team is probably as you'd imagine in your head of what City's strongest team is at the moment. Um, if I, let's just run through it because that might be too vague. You know, I might have different thoughts to other people. But Edison Walker, let's say, let let's just say Diaz and Laporte, but it could be Diaz and Stones, it could be yeah. Stones and Laporte, whatever. And then at left back, you've got Zinchenko, and then in midfield, you've got Rodri, um, Bernardo, and Gundogan, and then up front, um, Jesus. I'm going to say I'm going to say Sterling. Um, just for the point I'm making, which will become clear, and Foden, um, or Torres, whatever. But you've got that team that would, with Zinchenko and Bernardo in midfield, and Gundogan, that is the kind of team that City got to Champions League final with. That's the kind of team that would make a million passes, and they would create enough chances because they'd have enough of the ball, and they would very rarely turn the ball over. They would be extremely careful with it um, and they'd be very stable and then if you were to take out Zinchenko and put in Cancelo and you were to take out let's say Gundogan and put in De Bruyne you've got a team there which is still going to have the majority of the possession it's still going to have not maybe not a million passes but 999,999 passes and you're also going to have people who are like in, in De Bruyne and Cancelo, who are just going to take more risks. They're going to put more balls in the box. They're going to create so many chances and it's going to be more more direct. But you might, well, you will lose the ball more often because not all of De Bruyne's passes are going to find their target. And the same goes for Cancelo. And I've just been thinking, it's, it's interesting how you've got maybe two players who really sum up that slight change in dynamic that City can have. But also... Whichever team you pick there is not a bad team. If City are playing a Champions League semi-final against, let's say, Liverpool, I, I, you know, if Guardiola were to pick the first team I mentioned or the second team, I, I wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have a problem with that. You know, whether he went for the ultra control, keep the ball, and still create loads of chances, or whether he went for Cancelo and De Bruyne, it's not bad, is it? And this is the kind of thing we talked about in March when you know when De Bruyne came back in that West Ham game and he was really sluggish. Yeah. And it was after they'd looked so slick with Bernardo and, and Gundogan. It's that thing, isn't it, of neither of the options are bad. Um, but my point that I was about to go on to with the Bernardo thing was, and I've again, I've not seen the full context around this. Normally, you know, I'm all about considering a million different angles, but because I've been away and and catching up, I've not quite caught up on why De Bruyne didn't play. I don't know if he was, if Guardiola gave a reason, but it's very interesting that De Bruyne was just on the bench and it wasn't like it certainly wasn't a problem was it in terms of certainly the first half and even if De Bruyne had been playing in the second half would it have gone any differently in terms of the control of the game and giving the ball away to Brighton I mean if anything it might have happened more often so it's it's just it's it's interesting that that we know and we've said all along that well, in my opinion, anyway, City are just as good, but in different ways. It's a bit like the David Silver Foden thing. Yeah, they're just different players. So with with De Bruyne and without, it's almost like there's two different ways of playing, but they're both amazing ways of playing. So it doesn't matter. But it's it's interesting now that when I presume could be wrong, tell me if I'm wrong. When I presume fully fit, there is a game now where where Guardiola will say, "Okay, Kevin, we don't necessarily need you for this one." Um, whereas well, not whereas, but in comparison to the last few years where you know De Bruyne is just he just has to start. He just has to. So again, we we've come a we've come a long way in this year alone in terms of 
how we understand City playing and you know to to false nine being established and De Bruyne's role being slightly different and you know even Cancelo you know when Cancelo was doing brilliant things at the start of the year that was as a right back going into you know deep line midfield and then going up into attacking midfield now he's just a very good left back yeah um a lot of things have changed this year can I um can you just put my mind at rest for for something as well Sam because um it, it was apparent to me that uh, during the first half at Brighton, City were doing pretty well counter-attacking and uh, oh, De Bruyne yeah. was not there. Um, that is a coincidence, isn't it? That is just oh, a God. coincidence. Um, yeah. That's not a can of worms that I'm opening there. No, it is a coincidence. It is a coincidence. Um, and one thing I want to say before we move on, and, and this this will tie the two things together. When I was given those hypothetical examples of you know big Champions League games, and you could play with this team with with a De Bruyne and this team without. Obviously, the alternative is you just put De Bruyne as the false knight, um, like like which happened in all of those big Champions yeah. League games, as far as I remember. And you know that's fine. That that's a way to play. I don't think it gets the best out of De Bruyne. I don't think you see the best out of De Bruyne. But if it helps get the best out of City, then that's another argument, isn't it? You know, does it matter if we're seeing the best De Bruyne or if we're seeing a City that gets a Champions League final and potentially this season or next wins a Champions League? No, and I don't think De Bruyne would mind that either. So I know that's an option. You can just play with him as a false nine, or you could even put him in midfield and Bernardo as a false nine or whatever. But yes, it is interesting that he didn't play at the weekend. In terms of it being a coincidence, yeah. Um, because going back to De Bruyne as a false nine and De Bruyne being part of those big European games, was it um, Mahrez's goal at the back post in the second half against PSG, which was a, a lovely little counter-attack slash transition, when I remember tweeting about this at the time, but Foden's ball inside, I think, to De Bruyne was actually a bit behind him and it could have slowed the move down. But De Bruyne's pass back to Foden was perfect and it put the impetus and the energy back in the move and everything. Like, it's so easy for counterattacks to fall down because the pass isn't right. Slightly behind it, the player, just, yeah. It's just slightly behind or whatever. Um, and that was the case from Foden to De Bruyne but De Bruyne's reaction to it was so good he put it back in and then Foden slid the ball across perfectly this time and Mahrez finished it so no I mean obviously De Bruyne can contribute in those counter attacks um, I mean I don't know it's possible that um, he's he's the reason because he's not picking the right passes but I don't I don't think that's the case um, I would say coincidence and yeah that was something that struck me the counter attacks look pretty sharp and just um, on that at Brighton at the weekend and you know I think a lot of City's counter-attacks fall down stupidly. And I, I said I said again midway through last season, I think it was when City played Villa in early January. I think I said they're going to City at some point will score a goal on the counter-attack from their own box that will be like one of the goals of the season. Just because you think with all the amazing combination play that, that they produce and the players they've got that's so technical in those tight areas you would just think it'd be so easy, one, two passes on the edge of your own 18-yard box to then spring in De Bruyne or, or Foden or Rodri or Bernardo to play the pass up to the forward. It would just be so fluid, but they don't do it. Um, but what I really liked about the goal at the weekend, the Foden goal on, on the counter, was the ball from Rodri to Bernardo was perfect. And if there, if there was any problem with it, it was, well, not problem, but if there was anything slightly imperfect about it, it was that it was just slightly too quick. But if anything, it just made Bernardo had to, you know, break his stride a bit to just go a bit quicker. And it was just that pass from Rodri made it 
because it's one of those, and I've said this a million times, but when you're watching football unf- unfold at breakneck speed, you still think a million things. And when Roger got that ball, I was thinking, just just play the right weight pass here because if this goes behind whoever, it's just it's going to fall down again. And we yeah. know, you know, City aren't a great counter-attacking team. But that pass to Bernardo was was exactly what was needed, really. And then it, it went from there. And obviously, Bernardo, I'm just trying to see the goal again, but I remember thinking with Bernardo, choose the right run because the amount of time City almost even got players in their own half. So they can't even be offside, you know, and it's just pick the right run here and, and find the right pass. And incredibly, I don't know why, but it's something that City don't always do. And at, at times, I think it's because they just want to keep the ball. And I, I'm convinced the play in not in the kind of situation they had against Brighton because I think the only smart option was to go for, you know, go for goal and try and score. But in less clear-cut opportunities to counter-attack when you would still expect the vast majority of teams to sprint down the other end as fast as possible and try and score. I do think there are certain times in certain games... So when you turn and keep King, possession, yeah. It's just, yeah, there's no point in playing that pass because you, you know what Guardiola's like? He always says, you know, the faster you, you kick the ball away, the faster it comes back, which he normally means from playing out from the back. And the way that, you know, Roger got dropped towards the end of that the Champions League run and, you know, for the game against, you know, Palace at, um, at the end of the season, which is when Fernandinho got his way back in. Because, you know, when Roger gave the ball away at the end against Gladbach, and did he do it against Dortmund as well? It was right at the end of both games. And just the way that Guardiola must tell them all the time, you know, don't give the ball away in stupid positions. Don't put the ball up the pitch too too quickly. You know, he talks about patience and all of that. So I'm certain, yeah, there are times when, because of this is how football history plays out, teams play on the counter-attack, teams see an opportunity to run up the pitch into space and score a goal. And they'll get giddy at that and, and go for it. And that's just how football's played. But obviously, Guardiola is slightly different. And he's probably dr- drilled into his players the fact that this this isn't actually that good a chance or this is dangerous because if you mess yeah. it up, you're going to have to run back. Or do you're this and you'll back, get a better chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. perhaps. Or even just, you don't need to do this. Keep the ball. We're winning the game. We've got the control. We don't need, you know, I'm thinking this is going to be big Champions League games, but he always talks about that, doesn't he? I can't remember what he said at the weekend in, in which context, but he said again, he was talking about Brighton, wasn't he? And how Adam Lalana plays holding midfield and how when you've got a player like this, which is basically Gundogan, you know, Gundogan playing holding midfield. When you've got a player like that who can dictate the play with fast passes and break lines, it's very difficult to defend against. And, you know, he mentioned how, you know, when you play that in the big Premier League games or the Champions League games, that's why you've got problems. So he's always thinking about those big Champions League games. So, yeah, if City are breaking and they try and go for goal and it doesn't happen and then all of a sudden they're stretched out across the pitch and like Donnarumma can find Neymar or Messi with a quick throw, or Allison can find Salah, then you're in trouble. So I'm sure that's why City aren't a great counter-attacking team because they don't really look for it. Um, but obviously, there is still the ability there to do it when the when the chance um, presents itself. But um, sometimes things go wrong for whatever reasons. Yeah, I, I do think sometimes they just don't look for it because. Yeah. Because of the danger that goes the other way, which is not, which is just not how we thought about counter attacks at all. But you know, that's how Guardiola thinks about it. Yeah, well, I'm pretty um, sure it is. I want to finish Sam on the. Um, it, it kind of links in a, a little bit of sensing the sensing the opportunity because uh, you mentioned to me about the number of times Guardiola's talked about players uh, being able to smell goals. 
Um, He said it recently about Cole Palmer. Um, He said it about a few players in the past at a time. Uh, I mean, first off, City are having striker issues. He's he's been talking a lot about, um, you know, in fact, he had a go at uh, Sky over the weekend for um, suggesting that the game showed that they didn't need a striker because, uh, as, as he always says, as soon as we have a game where we don't score, you'll come back and say... Should you have gone out and bought a striker? Yeah, so it's, striker, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but so it's at that time where that discussion is going on. Um, City's players sometimes can be clinical. Quite a lot of the time, are, are generally not that clinical. Um, and no. yeah, he's constantly talking about smelling the goal. So it's it's just a little bit of an interesting uh, note that you that you picked up on. I mean, he said it about Jesus, didn't he, when he arrived? Um, yeah. And now that's that's changed entirely. So I guess I guess it's something that can change depending on the role that you're in in the team and the form that you're in as well. I guess. I mean, I guess. Or, I mean, it's just interesting because you know he said it about Cole Palmer, and it, it's like, I mean, the the reason I brought this up to you was something to talk about. Is maybe Pep's definition of it has changed maybe he's just saying you know nice things in the media or whatever but it's it's interesting that he's talked about Palmer having it but you know Palmer's not a striker banging in the goals you know he's a midfielder who can score goals he's talked about Gundogan so I mean I guess it's just different different definitions um for different positions um (laughs) with 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 Gundogan you know being a an attacking midfielder in that role and having that that sense of arriving in the box at the right time. Um, I suppose Foden's got it in a slightly different way in a, in more of a playing in the front line being not especially clinical because this, this is what I mean, basically. So when Guardiola first started saying this years and years ago, it was when he wanted to get rid of Etu. Um, and he's always talked about Etu having the the sense of goals. And he always talked about it as, you know, Aguero and Jesus when he came in. You know when Jesus had like a ridiculous goals per minute ratio when he came in. And that's what he meant. It just as a really clinical striker in the way that you would say it, obviously, about Haaland. Um, and, and players like that, number nines like Lewandowski and Benzema. Um, certainly Benzema in the last few years, five, six years. Um, but now he's, he's just kind of mentioned it as midfielders. And it's probably just a way that you can have it in relative terms for a midfielder and you can have it in relative terms for a striker. Um, but yeah, it, it, or, or maybe it's just, you know, Guardiola just just being nice about people because it's in, <laughs> the, the Jesus one is interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, maybe Guardiola was wrong or maybe, because it, uh, I, mean, I suppose, it, would, it, would it just be Guardiola being wrong? Because the thing with Jesus now is, when he plays on the wing and he looks quite good. And by the way, one of the things that really stood out for me against Brighton, and it was against Liverpool when I was in the stadium and I could actually see it, but against Brighton, just the work that Jesus does running back is fucking phenomenal. Tackles in his like own box. Just, I mean, he, he's the, just the, the right one we, back there. Yeah, the one we think time. of is that that penalty giveaway against United, but that was that's the outlier. Oh, he's God. normally back there winning the ball. Yeah, and it, it's like, you know, with... We, we've talked about Stones needing to take his opportunity to come back in, and, you know, Sterling, I guess he'll... Still have opportunities as a number nine, I guess. Now Torres is injured, um, but Mares again. It's a bit like the De Bruyne example earlier in Cancelo, where you could put Mares into the team and it's it's not going to be a problem. He'll score you some goals, um, and he'll he'll do a lot. And his working back has improved a lot. But when you compare that working back to Jesus, it's not going to happen. And as long as Jesus is providing a good attacking outlet, um, he's he's going to be the man that that starting those. Well, I'll say the bigger games, um, like the way that Laporte 
isn't being knocked out of the team at the moment. Um, it's just, it's the same kind of thing because if you're performing, you're going to stay in. But yeah, it's interesting with Jesus because now everyone's like, oh, well, he always wanted to play on the wing and he grew up as a winger, so it's no surprise. But he was clinical when he came and Guardiola did say he had that sense of goals. But when Guardiola was talking about Jesus and Torres at the start of the season, it was, well, Torres makes those movements and those are the movements, you know, because we lack goals, those are the movements we need. Um, whereas Jesus... You know, he doesn't have those movements. He's better outside the box. He's better linking up. And, you know, he, he's good out wide. He, he likes playing there. He played there for Brazil or whatever. But it's like, where did that where did that sense of goals go? And maybe it is, you know, maybe it is confidence in front of goal. Because I've always grouped him and Sterling together in that. In terms of, you know, when you say City players can be clinical, but they aren't always. And, you know, we had that debate about... Um, the striker with Nadam after the Chelsea game. And I, I agree with him on a lot of things, but whenever we talk, and we talked last week, you know, because obviously Salah's getting all applauded at the moment, but his, you know, me, me and Nadam are really looking at big chance conversion. And that's what we were, we were talking about when it, it came to City not signing Kane. And, you know, Kane's is still the highest in the Premier League over the last few years, but it does include penalties. So that will skew it a bit, yeah. but it's about 60 odd percent. And Salah's is about 60 odd percent. And I think Nadam doesn't think that that's anything to write home about. But my point being is, if Sterling and Jesus, and like I say, I, I lump them in together, and that might be wrong too, but if Sterling and Jesus are putting up 30 to 40%, which they generally have been over the last few years, that's a significant difference. And I think that's where that lack of being clinical comes into it. Because if you're missing out on 20% of your big chances, that is... It'll, be, it'll make a noticeable difference to your goal tally, but I think it would also help improve you know, the kind of, the non-scientific factors. You know, the way that we think about these players and the way that we think about City needing a striker is because, in my mind's eye at least, I'm imagining Sterling running through on goal. And now, in fact, not just missing, but kind of just dribbling and holding the ball up so he can pass not to somebody get, else. Yeah, not getting a shot away. Like the last two chances at Anfield when should have been chances but didn't even get shown on match of the day too, but he kind of ran through on goal. And, okay, for the... De- not De Bruyne one. Um, I think he found. Did he find Jesus and the shot got blocked? But it was like you, you, you threw on goal here and you're quick and that's what you've been brought on to do. And you're not you're not there with that. And I think Jesus, I wouldn't have any real confidence in him finishing a one on one either. And it's just if you, the difference between thirty and forty and then sixty percent big chance conversion rate is massive. And I think you know. 60 is over performance really because I think Vardy, if you look over the last few years, he's been about fifty percent. And like Lukaku, when he was at United, was about 50%. And you could look at that. And look, I think Lukaku missed a lot. But 50% is... Still pretty good. If, you, if you're setting the context, if you're setting the bar of what people should be aiming for, 50% is right. That's good for a, for a clinical striker. Um, obviously, Haaland is like 67% in all competitions because yeah. he's an animal. Um, you don't want yeah, to build... Like, you, you, City's players just aren't... That, they're just not that clinical. But it's difficult to say because, like this whole podcast... You know, you can make a point about De Bruyne not playing and City being really good. And it sounds like you're saying De Bruyne is not good, but he is. And you can just make a point about City players not being clinical. But the fact that, what was it last season and the season before, they had five or six players who'd scored more than 10 goals and nobody ever does that. So they still scored plenty of goals. They still scored the most goals in the Premier League last season. But in terms of being clinical, they're just not. They're just not as top-level clinical. And, and yeah, the other thing about a striker is... Um, it's not going to stop the other players missing chances, is it? So they don't all need to improve. You don't want to build the perfect team, though, do you? That's what I've always said. 
Um, well, it's very much a philosophy that United have been sticking by over the last <laughs> 10 years. Oh, we got through the whole podcast, Sam, without really uh, mentioning that at all. And it's uh, and, and, and here we are on the, on the anniversary weekend of the 6-1 as well. Yeah, well, there's another anniversary now, isn't there? Jesus. Um, <laughs> I mean, Liverpool are a disgrace as well. Um, the the way that the way that they didn't score more goals when it went to ten men, obviously they're not they're, obviously they're not a disgrace, but it was very kind of frustrating in in the way that you know what you know you know when like Bayern Munich were like fiving up against Bayer Leverkusen at the weekend, weren't they, or the weekend before? And you just know, you go, then this isn't finishing ten, and I think you finished five one or maybe six one, and you just just fucking go for it, but like not just in the way that just go for it, but the way that United. Were, were playing and the way that they set up with 10 men you know what you know this all Liverpool, leads to Liverpool would do it. go on I'll win it in the derby yeah yeah it's, well, it's six, because, 6 of November United 2 City 0 that's yeah, what happens absolutely but but the thing is you know they asked Solskjaer after the game Jeff Shreves was like did you make a mistake in you know being too open and Solskjaer was like that's a good question like, can you imagine Guardiola answering that question <laughs> if, Anyway, um, he was asking a question, and then he was like, "I'm not going to go into that." But he was like, "You know, we're we're United. We've got a duty to attack." And it's like, "Well, this is that old bollocks that's been holding the club back for years." Um, and you know, is the problem with Solskjaer really? But Long also, that's not the case continue. because because yeah, exactly. But um, to bring it back to si- the the relevance to City, there is that's not how they play. They haven't they haven't had a duty to attack City. They haven't done that. They've sat back. And they did that against Liverpool. They've sat back and they've countered. And that's why United are so difficult. And that's why City have struggled. And I saw the stat yesterday before the game, the Klopp's win percentage against United is 27%. Um, and that's not all Solskjaer, obviously. But Solskjaer has been happy to have a team that sits back in these big games and defend. And that's why City have struggled. And you know, when I mentioned before, um, in City counter-attacking, you know, Guardiola will be thinking Alisson can find Salah and Donnarumma can find Neymar or whatever. But he'll also be thinking, maybe not to hear Fuck me, but um, <laughs> like somebody finding you know Rashford, Martial, um, even Lingard in the in the sense don't laugh in the sense that these are players on the break who if City are unbalanced and they've got players ahead of the ball, they can run past Rodri, they can get out of the defence, they can win a penalty from Jesus as we saw. You know these are things that happen. You know these are players like Spurs with Son and Lucas. Okay, Son and Luke Son's a very good player. Lucas is. He's, he's all right, isn't he? He's a good player, but he's not amazing. You know, you'd, you'd like you probably like Son at City. You wouldn't you wouldn't take Lucas, but when you're fast and good, and your your team is playing on their counter attack, that will cause City problems. If your team's playing on the counter attack and you're Burnley, you're not gonna you haven't got the same threat. But if you've got Neymar, if you've got Rashford, if you've got Son and Lucas Bergvine, you know that that's going to do damage because of the way the City play. So for Solskjaer to say oh, we are we had a duty to attack them, and to bring it back to what you're saying, United will win the derby. It will be very interesting if he's still there to see if he's got a duty to attack City or if he's just going to go back and and sit back and sit on the sit on yeah. the sit on the break and and maybe maybe they will beat City for that reason. When when Salah made it four nil right before half time, I always think back to I know this is major tangent here, but if people are still enjoying it, then hello. But I always remember when Moyes was United manager and City won three nil. And the difference between that Yaya Torre goal at the end and 2-0 was massive because it was a it was a convincing win and it was 2-0, but it's like, oh yeah, okay, well it was 2-0 and yeah, United are outclassed. But it's so much easier for us in the media 
to pick up and you know fans as well to pick up on a big win and Yaya Torre scoring that goal at the end to make it 3-0 and at the end to really ram home the difference really turned people on to the fact that you know this United team was miles off it and the yeah. City was so much better and Moyes wasn't the man and all of this and when Salah scored to make it 4-0 just before half time just going into the time when Sky are talking about it everyone's tweeting about it that is you know, that is the prime, that is the killer goal. And you think, you know, I didn't concede a goal for the last 30 minutes or whatever it was. But if if Liverpool had have even made it 6-0 in the last minute, it would have been, you know, the the reaction would have been even more more, more stark. It would have been even worse for United, for Solskjaer. And yeah, like Liverpool, if they'd have made it 7 or 8, fuck, can, can you imagine? 5 nil's is big enough. But, I mean, can you imagine? And they really could have. And, last, uh, last English yeah, team shambles. to score 10 in a league game, Sam? City was that, City, was that the Huddersfield yeah. one? It's City Huddersfield uh, 10-1 1987 the final game that was before I was born so there oh we go. really I mean yeah. I, I don't know if Murd's listening on his holiday but they were all all the lads I know though I think I think they take the piss out of Murd because I think he left early for some reason <laughs> he had to go he had, he had to go he had to go for some reason and missed it or he couldn't go to the game at all but if he's listening to this on his son lounger send me a message and enjoy yeah you, you can relive that again yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Why Always mm. Us. Thank you very much, Sam Lee. Yeah, that was like the extra time Patreon bit at the end, but for free. <laughs> but free um, yeah, yeah, thanks. Good, good, good to be back. Um, sorry, I'm not Nadem. Ah, right, well, we, we'll have to make do, <laughs> won't we? We'll, uh, we'll join. We'll, we'll have you back next week. I guess. I suppose if we have to, uh, join yeah, us again next week. In the meantime, wise. don't forget you can sign up to the Athletic right now with a 33% discount. Just use the code Man City Pod. <laughs> The Athletic.